Okay, so this morning I want to talk to you uh, from the scriptures in Joshua chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you want to open in there. Just a moment, we're going to be reading from there. And we're going to look at Joshua chapter 2. And the title of the message is this, is Rahab the Hero. Rahab the Hero. And so we looked last week at this chapter 1 there. And we're looking at the promised life. And so uh, what's happening, just to give you a little context here, what's happening is, uh, the, the journey of the children of Israel is being chronicled here. We saw last week what happened was they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Moses sent 12 spies. They come back with a fearful report. It doesn't work. They end up 40 years in the wilderness. And now God's people, the children of Israel, they've been delivered, of course, from Egypt. And they've had that first go around there. And now what's happening is Joshua is going to lead them into the promised land. Moses has died here. And now it's up to Joshua. So Joshua's going to send a couple spies there to check out the land. And we're going to meet this great woman. There's some great woman in the house this morning. But we're going to meet a great woman by the name of Rahab. So if you're able, if you're able, if you please stand to your feet. I'm going to read the word of God. Joshua chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. We're going to read the story, explain the story, and then I have three points of application. Joshua chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove, and he instructed them to scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of the prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into the house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. And Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, and I don't know where they came from. And they left town at dusk, at the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you'll probably be able to catch up with them. And actually, she'd taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left the gate, Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk to them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're afraid of you, and everyone in the land is living in terror. For we've heard of the Lord, how he made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that what you did to, to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings, east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts are melting in fear. No one has courage to fight after hearing such things. For the, the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens and above and the earth below. You may be seated. And let's pray. And Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us from it. Thank you, Jesus, that your love is greater than our brokenness, that your grace is richer than our shame and sin, and that your love is unlike any other love. And Father, I pray this morning that you would open the eyes of our understanding to the scriptures today, that we would hear your voice through the words, and you would stir our hearts at the hearing of your word. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so... Here we have Joshua, it says in verse 1, secretly, shh, 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 shh. 
Not everything you do, everybody has to know. We don't have to tell all our Instagram friends. Sometimes it just needs to be secret. This is a secret mission, secret spy mission, secret espionage mission here. Shh, don't tell anyone, Joshua says here. And so, because he just wants them to report back to Joshua personally on this mission here. Do you think perhaps that Joshua's learned from the past? Joshua is one of the two that was 40 years there in the wilderness, one of the 12 spies. Do you think he learned from Moses there that what we did before, it did not work? Been there, done that. We're not going to do that again here. And so what he realized is that he had to take a different approach here. So he sends only two spies here, two faithful men, because that's all there was last time they did this. Because four decades earlier, what happened was they brought back a fearful report. And because of that fearful report, the children of Israel then spent four decades in the wilderness because, of the cons- because he consulted dozens of opinions. And it derailed them, and they ended up 40 years in the wilderness. So we're not going to do that again, he says here. Joshua learns from the past. He learned that with so many fearful opinions, the voice of God got crowded out. And he didn't want that to happen again here. So because last time he had these 10 spies... They had fear-based opinions there, and ultimately then they completely missed God's direction because of that. So this time we're only going to do two spies here. And then it says, so the two men, the spies sent out, came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab that stayed there that night. So they're in Jericho, the most prominent city there, and it highlights here the, the central figure of the passage this morning, and that is Rahab. And she's introduced as Rahab. Her resume, her resume simply reads, Rahab the prostitute. That's it. So uh, we don't know a ton about it, the, her background story here, but you know it's a sad story, right? You know this is really a story of absolute brokenness here. And so probably she became not the person that the little girl dreamed of becoming. She has boatloads of baggage and boatloads of, of unspeakable pain, what's been done to her in the life that she's lived here. I mean, she's an outcast. She is the lowest of the low. In that culture, she is the dirtiest of the dirty. That's who she is here. And so if you wanted to go to the city, and not be caught, where would you go but someplace like that? Like, why did the spies go to her house? I mean, maybe don't answer that, but think about this. They didn't go for those reasons, but this is why they went. They're trying to go undercover, right? They're trying not to be noticed. So where do you go? She's got her home there, is, uh, is on the wall of the city next to the gate there. A lot of activity, a lot of people coming and going there. And so uh, you didn't want to blend in. It was conveniently located there. So they didn't want to blow their cover. And so what they did is that they, they go to her house there. And so and she's got nothing going for her, like zero going for her. In fact, her name... Rahab, she's named after the Egyptian god Ra. That's who she's named after. So what we're talking about here is she's from a pagan land with pagan parents and a pagan religion and is given a pagan name. And that's who she is here, Rahab. And so, again, we don't know her painful story, but we do know this. We do know this, that she's not running Motel 6. She's running a brothel. 
Uh, this is the red light district here. Uh, we know this, that she's made some choices in her life that have left her absolutely broken. She's a broken person here. And everything has gone wrong. Can you imagine that? All the options for life. Everything has gone wrong in her life here. So here's the story, verse 2. But someone told the king of Jericho, hey, some Israelites have come out to spy. And so Jericho has the king here. And the king catches wind. What's happening? Some spies have entered. So they're going to do all the normal kingdom protocol there. Shut the gates there. Make sure they don't escape. And so and then they're going to interview her. So the king of Jericho, word gets out, sent orders to Rahab, hey, bring the men who have come into your house and, and then have them come here, those guys that are spying out the land. And so now she has a dilemma. What does she do here? What is Rahab going to do here? Because she knows the how to hide men, right? I mean, come on. She's a Canaanite prostitute. She's a professional at hiding men. In that culture, the roofs were flat. They had dry flax up there. So she hides them up there. But this is what she did, and she had to do all the time. And so when the king says to her, hey, what's going on? She's like this. I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know about the spies. Oh, yeah, they, they went that way. Yeah, go get them, everybody. King's men, go get them. They went that way while they're up on the roof there. And so she's lying through her teeth there. But I want us to think about this before you judge her. Before you judge her, I want us to think about this because was she sitting? Yeah, technically she's sitting there. But for a righteous reason, for a reason that if she blew the cover, it would break the heart of God. So there she is there. And so she's countering a potential atrocity that could have happened there. These are God's spies. They spy out the land, the land that God was calling them to conquer there. And so she's lying then to thwart, watch, a greater evil. That's what she was doing. So Rahab, verse 4, has hidden the two men, but she replied, yeah, they're early. I don't know where they're at and all that. And she, she sends them on a wild goose chase. Sometimes a wild goose chase can be serve God's purposes there. And so, so in that culture there, she was able to hide them on the roof. And this is what I wanted to see here. I want you to see this. She's taking a huge risk. She, look, at her, look at her background, but she's taking a huge, huge risk here for God. And then she's used by God. The prostitute is used by God for God's purpose there in hiding the spies so they could, be, they could survive. And she's becoming an instrument in God's hands. And so Rahab shows us what a great woman of faith looks like here, where she acts boldly, where she takes action. She's showing her faith by her actions there. And so uh, Rahab then, verse 8, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I want to think about that for a moment. So Rahab sends the spies up there, and Rahab is downstairs. And Rahab has heard about their God. And Rahab knows about their God, that their God, the God of the Israelites, is not like the God of the Canaanites, this mean God they offer uh, child sacrifices to. This God of, of the Israelites is the God who parts the Red Sea. He's a mighty God. He's a God who provides. They'd heard all the stories, right? They heard all the stories there. And so she'd heard about providing manna in the wilderness and, and water out of a rock. And who is this God that provides for the people and cares for the people and delivers the people and loves the people? 
people. And so she's heard about their God there. And so there she is downstairs and they're upstairs. She's thinking, I want to know about that God. And so she can't contain herself and she feels compelled and she goes upstairs. She says, I've I've heard about your God there. And she says in verse 9, I know the Lord has given you the land. And she says, we're all, we're terrified of you. Us Canaanites, we are terrified. Now, isn't that interesting? The last week you were here three times, the word of the Lord comes, be strong and of good courage because they were afraid of the very Canaanites that were afraid of them. So Israel was afraid of an army that was afraid of them. Then she says, verse 10, for we've heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. We know about you, and we know all about your God here. We've been hearing the stories for decades there, and we know everything that God has done. So she has this really a newfound faith. Verse 11, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear, and no one has courage to fight after hearing such things. So there's just universal panic here. And so I want us to see what happens here, because what she does is she begins to identify with God's people. Her life is forever changed here. And, and so she begins to identify with God's people. She identifies with what God is doing. She makes this radical decision that she's going to go with Yahweh, not her old way. She decides to follow the God of Israel. She decides to trust the God of Israel here. And she makes this bold step, this bold statement here, and she steps out in faith. She says, yeah, I know the God of Jericho, but I know about your God too, and your God loves, and he provides, and there's no one like your God. Your God's an awesome God. He's supreme God above all other gods. And so she has a decision to make. I want us to think about this, because here's her decision. She has to decide, am I going to trust? She knows nothing but Jericho. She has to decide like we have to decide in our journey, because these things were written for us. This story parallels our story. She has to make a decision, who am I going to trust? She knows nothing but the walled city of Jericho. She knows how, how it's an impenetrable fortress there. She knows how that it's a state-of-the-art uh, fortress. They have a, a superior army. Is she going to trust in that? Or is she going to trust in their God there? And so she rejects her past. She rejects her past life because she's going to begin a new life. And I would submit to you, we have to do the same thing. You have to decide who you're going to trust. Watch. You can trust in yourself. You can trust in your education. You can trust in things you can see. You can trust in your bank account or uh, your past there or your job or whatever you want to trust in. You can trust in that or are you going to trust in God? So she recognized, hey, it's playing a loser's game to continue to trust in what I've trusted in. So she goes with God. She says, I'm going to go with God. And I'm going to trust in God above everything else. And she makes that decision, which changes everything for her. So all that to say what? All that to say what? Well, in your notes, if you want to pull out your notes, I've got three takeaways. And so that's the, that's the story. Now I'm going to talk about how the story affects you, how the story affects your life. So I want to ask the question, what do we learn about God in the story? And what do we learn about ourselves? You're going to learn some things about yourself here, and you're going to learn some things about God. First of all, the story does this. 
The story tells us what God is like. So the story tells us that God picks the most obscure, unknown, forgotten, least expected people imaginable and uses them as instruments for his purpose. The story tells us that we may let people slip through the cracks, but God doesn't let anyone slip through the cracks. God is a God here, though. We may skim over people. And so uh, we may, you know, God is the door, but sometimes we think we're the screen door. Uh, We would never let them in here. But God doesn't skim over anybody. This tells us God accepts us right where we're at. So in your notes, God's a good God, and he can find anybody. He can find anybody. And so, see, the big deal here, you think it's a big deal, that that Rahab is a harlot by God, but, but that's not the big deal. The big deal is God's grace is way bigger than Rahab the harlot. See, the big deal is this. See, we look at her and we see, oh, she's got a reputation. And we think, oh, well, God could use a woman that had a reputation, but it's not the kind of reputation we would ever think that God could use. See, God here is using her reputation. And imagine, I want us to think about this. Just go with me. I'm going to illustrate it this way because sometimes it helps to illustrate something. So I'm going to illustrate it this way. So this is a trash can in, in uh, uh, my office here. So, and so that's a trash can. I want us to imagine this. You've got to go with me here. Just go with me. And so that we're going to interview, that you and I, we're going to interview uh, who it is that is going to help the spies. Okay, we're going to interview who's going to help the spies here. And so I've got in my hands Rahab's resume right here. And perhaps you imagine that you, we're having a discussion, we're in, a, we're in an HR meeting, I'm talking to you, and I'm saying, okay, let's figure this out. Uh, who are we going to hire? We got, got this job, we got to get a couple spies, got to have somebody that can work with the spies here, and so I need your help. So uh, this, is, this is an insider job, and this is a job, top secret espionage job here. So who are we going to pick to have the spot to help the spies? Okay, who, who are we going to pick? And we're having this discussion. I start to look over her bio, and I'm starting to check her references and look at her social media here. And, uh, and so I said, okay, small business owner. Um, uh, what do we have? What do, uh, brothel. Oh, this is an interesting candidate. This is a really interesting candidate we, we, we got here. Brothel here, okay. Uh, continue uh, uh, in the red light district. <laughs> interesting. Uh, I don't know how this got on my desk, but interesting. Uh, pagan name, pagan parents, pagan religion, pagan country, named after uh, an Egyptian god, enemy of God, enemy of God's people, her life and work experience, I think, make her unqualified for the job. Would you agree? Would you agree? I think she, you'd agree, right? Would anyone not agree? I mean, and so uh, she's not, so I think, is it fair to say we're done with Rahab? Is it fair to say? Okay. So we're, we're done with this, this applicant here, and uh, we're, I mean, she's, she's done, right? She's done. That, that, that's, what, that's what we do with Rahab. That's what we would do. Knowing everything that we know, if you don't know the story here, uh, that's, what, that's what we do. And so we're interviewing candidates, and so for God to help God's two spies here, and she doesn't make the cut. She does not make 
the cut here. You look at her body, you look at her work experience, you look at an enemy of God, and you say, you, like, you're, you're done there. Uh, all of that, like, that's the worst person, that, that the worst candidate for the job here. And so, but is anybody glad that God's not like that? Is anybody glad God's not like that? You see, God comes along, God says, I want to, I'm going to give the job to Rahab. And so we're going to, so it's like, what? Like, are you sure, God, did you, did you, did you read the, like, the resume here? And, um, uh, and you're going to give the job to Rahab. And I, I'm thinking about this, right? I'm thinking about how I'm going to communicate this. And then I thought, well, what about me? I thought, my resume? If you knew everything about me, you'd say, that guy, the speaker this morning, that's where he, that's, he, deserves, he deserves that. And so here, Rahab, in your notes there, there, there really is, the, the reality is this, there really, God goes like this, and God says, yeah, I'll take, or there, there really is hope. There really is hope for the, the Rahabs of the world. There's hope for you, and there, there's hope for me, and, it, and it's not too late here. And see, and God, this is what God can do. Watch, watch. God takes Rahab and takes all of her past. And this is what God does with you here. He takes all of your past, and he makes a, a magnificent future when Jesus enters to the equation here. See, and no matter, no matter how bad, no matter how messed up your life is, God is a God that he can turn that all around. See, that's what the story tells us here. And so, because we never watch, we never associate her past reputation and think that this is someone that God could use. We would never think that. And so we would think that this is someone that could actually like have faith. And this is someone that could actually be right with God. This run in a brothel in the red light district. Give me a break. We, we, would, we would throw that away and we would burn her resume there. And so, but if God, watch, watch. If God can make a hero out of Rahab, God can make a hero out of you. God can make a hero out of me if he can make a hero out of her. And so God has never created, God has never created one life that he didn't intend to use. See, this is what we learn about God, that there's hope for us. There's, there's hope for everyone. So in your notes there, God is a God who can use anybody. Secondly here, you are not defined by your worst decision or the worst season of your life. That's what we're going to learn here about Rahab, because that's what happened to her for much of her life. She was defined by the worst season. You read throughout the Bible. She, even in the New Testament, even in James, even in Hebrew, she is, in the, old, the older translations, Rahab the harlot, or Rahab the prostitute. And that follows her everywhere she goes. And Rahab can't, she can't sort of shake her title there. She can't just get, get over that. It's just, it seemed to follow her everywhere, and her past seems to be connected to her future, and she just can't get free from it. I don't know if you're here this morning and you've ever felt this way, that your past life or memories of your past life is just stamped upon you and follows you everywhere you go. And so do you ever feel like your past keeps following you? I believe that the powers of darkness there, 
that they want to keep you trapped in your past, that that is all you will ever be. You'll never rise above your past, and that is all you will ever be. And to keep you just defeated and living under that weight here. Now think about this. Rahab, watch. Rahab is defined by the worst event and the worst season, the worst thing that ever happened to her. And that becomes associated and affiliated with her name, Rahab the harlot here. Everywhere she went, she, she was known as Rahab the harlot. Rahab the prostitute. She couldn't escape it and she couldn't shake it. It was just like attached to her here. So imagine that. Imagine. If you, you had, whatever your name is, that someone uh, attached your worst season, the worst thing you ever did, and that was, a, that was attached to you. And everywhere you went, everything uh, uh, where you were identified was, as, uh, I'll use myself as an example, and there is Rod... The repugnant, ridiculous sinner. And every time I met you, would be like, hey, have you met Ron? The repugnant, ridiculous sinner. Hey, have, you, have you met Larry, the, the, the chronic liar there? Have you met Sam, the absolute out-of-control psycho? And what if your worst thing you ever did was attached to you, and everywhere you went, that's what you were known by? Well, that's, what, that's the reality that she lives in. The Bible says this, says where sin abounds in Romans, grace does much more abound. In other words, tell me whatever you've done, Rahab, or fill in the blank, and God's grace is greater. See, there's more grace. God's grace is bigger than your past. And so uh, God's heart there is, is bigger than your brokenness. See, there's nothing in your past that the blood of Jesus is not bigger than. And so uh, you want to believe in God because, one, he can find anybody. But secondly, you're not defined by the worst moment or the worst season or the worst thing you've ever done. But you're identified, if you're a Christ follower, as in Christ. And so you are forgiven, not forsaken. Uh, uh, I'm not Rod, the ridiculous, repugnant sinner. I'm Rod, child of the living God. Yeah, that's who I am. And though this should have happened to me, that's not where God leaves us to be. Number three in your notes there, Rahab's one act of faith changed my life, changed your life. And I'm going to show you how. See, how did she change our lives today? Let me show you how she changed our lives today. She changed our lives today because of who she became. And so she became one who was in God's hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. That's pretty good, huh? A prostitute. Imagine that. Imagine that. There's all the heroes and all the MVPs. Now watch this. Watch. Okay, all the heroes, all the MVPs. There's Moses. There's Sarah. There, and, uh, there's Abraham. And there's King David. And you're like this, reading it. You're going like, okay, hero, hero, hero harlot, hero, hero, hero. Somebody say heart. How, how did she get into the, the hall of fame? And so there she is in with all these great names there. And now you got like, and then like the, the Holy Spirit whispers to the author of Hebrews and says, Rahab, put Rahab there. And Rahab by faith, Rahab, the prostitute. 
And so, and her story doesn't end in the Old Testament. Her, as awesome as the story is, Rahab is all over the New Testament. And so, but when she shows up, she keeps showing up as Rahab, the prostitute there. And so the label continues to stick with her. And watch in Hebrews, look on the screens, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. And so sprinkled in with all the great names there and all the heroes and all the Sunday school characters, there is verse 31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute. And imagine this that a lady from the red light district of the Old Testament ends up in the hall of fame of the Bible. And she goes from the hall of shame to God's honor roll, the hall of fame. Only God could do that. And so and the, and the one thing, what is the one thing she has that God wants from all of us this morning? By See, by faith, that's what, what God wants from all of us. So it was by her faith that, that got her in there. Now, interesting, we were going to uh, look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. It was really interesting there. And it's, it's actually quite boring to read. You have like 14 generations, and you're reading through all these names that you just want to fast forward and take all of your speed reading techniques and apply them. And then they get to the next 14 generations and same thing. And then another 14 generations. And then we come to Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. And it says this. It says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Time out. Maybe we, maybe we shouldn't, shouldn't leave her there. Because see, we see what happens here. Is that Rahab, watch, Rahab becomes the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Who changed your life and has changed my life. And Jesus came through Rahab. Jesus is not ashamed to have Rahab in his background. There's God identifying with our brokenness here. Uh, What I love about the story is this, is that the very last person that we would throw away, the very last person that we we would throw away, would you ever imagine that that person would end up in God's kingdom? You would never connect those dots, let alone ending up in the celebrated family tree of the spotless sin of God and Savior of the world. And this is how, this is how God rolls. This is who God is. And, so, and it's not by chance that this happens. This is by divine design. God intended it to be that way. And so uh, what I want us to see is this, is that her situation completely changes, completely turns around. But watch, watch this. Remember, she's always been throughout the Bible, Rahab, the harlot, Rahab, the prostitute. Okay, well, and here it says that by faith, Rahab. What happened to the label? You see, now when you enter Jesus into the equation, the label gets dropped. No more label, no more associating with her past here. Now she's Rahab, the righteous. Now she's Rahab, right with God. 
You see, I'm no longer Rod the repugnant, ridiculous sinner. I'm Rod right with God. You are who you are right with God when Jesus enters through the equation. And if God can take somebody with Rahab's background and make Rahab an instrument in God's hands, you think perhaps God could also do the same thing with you and take you with your background and make you an instrument? See, it says here, James finally shows, she shows up in James, and I close with this. James 2.25, Rahab was shown to be right with God. Okay, by her actions, by her faith there. So her faith comes to expression. She hides the spies there. She becomes a hero of faith, and her faith is demonstrated by her actions. And so it's demonstrate, you demonstrate your faith by your actions, by your walk, not just by your, your talk there. And so by faith, watch. That's Just remember this. Remember what I'm going to tell you right now. By faith, Rahab became someone spectacular. Despite her horrible past. And I'm telling you this morning that by faith, you can become someone spectacular despite whatever your past is. Ha. Rahab, the hero. Huh? It's good. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. And so, you can stand. And so, see, this is why we come to church. This is why, uh, this is what church is. Uh, Sometimes, it's a place to be reminded even of things you already know, to be reminded of, of the truth. A place where, you're reminded that the past labels are, that have accumulated in your life, all the things that have accumulated are, 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 are put away there. That you are reminded that you're his child, you are forgiven, you are not forgotten, you are not forsaken, and you're not, listen to me, you're not who your past says you are. You're not even who sometimes who you say you're. You are who God says that you are. You are who God says you are. So you want to live in that reality. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for your word this morning. And, Father, I pray that this would be a place where we could be reminded to put the past labels behind that have accumulated in our lives, that we would see ourselves as you see us. You're here this morning, and when you're hearing about Rahab being right with God, and you're thinking, I want to be right with God. Uh, that's what I want for 2020 and beyond. So if that's you, in just a moment, we're going to pray for you, a simple prayer of you can say yes to Jesus and, and, and you, can be, you can be right with God. So if you want to receive forgiveness, you want to say yes to Jesus, if that's you with our eyes closed and just in a, a moment here, in, in just a moment, if uh, you're just going to raise your hand. So if that's you, just raise your hand and acknowledge that I want to say yes to Christ. I want to say yes to forgiveness. I want to say yes to relationship with him. I want to be a child of God. In the back, right on, right on. Are there others? Right on. In the sides there, God bless you. Are there others in the side? On the left there, God bless you. The back again, God bless you. The middle, God bless you. I want to be right with God. I want to receive forgiveness. Is there anyone else?
Those of you that raised your hands, pray this simple prayer. And dear Jesus, I want to say yes to you, yes to forgiveness, yes to receiving you into my life. Thank you. Making me right with you. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your love, your power. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.